Yeah, so let uh, let's look at the. Is this is this the is this for week five? Couldn't be. Must be. Week five, fifth discipline. Sorry. Um. So we're looking at uh, we're looking at solitude today. Um. Which uh, could be helpful for some of us. Um, just in the at the time that we find ourselves in. Um. So we've looked at. Uh, We've looked at meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. Uh, and so today, tonight, we're looking at solitude. Um, it's, uh, I suppose, some of the some of the, so the first four disciplines. So Richard Foster, he, whenever he talks about the 12 disciplines, he, met, he talks about the first four being like a, I suppose, like an outward discipline. These are um, like inward discipline these next four solitude simplicity and uh, the other two which have escaped my memory at the minute um but in saying that in inner solitude inward solitude has uh, has outward expressions that it, it ultimately it has to it has to eventually ultimately lead to an outward expression this idea of inner solitude um in some ways, solitude is this freedom to to be alone, um, and so this is this is this applies this applies like you can you can th- like think about what we're sharing today in the context of right now. But I'd love us that this would be a discipline that just is established in the our 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 pattern of life from this moment. But don't forget the, the disciplines that we're talking about here. We're at the aim of this is transformation. The aim of this is to define ways to look more like Jesus, to be fashioned increasingly into his likeness. And uh, so, so solitude is this freedom to be alone, not in order to be away from people, but in order to hear the whisper of God. And in some ways that like that just like that is the big picture. That is the that is the idea. That's the that's the target. That's the aim. Uh, for, forget everything else. What we are wanting to do uh, with this discipline is to get away, to find moments of solitude, in order to hear the whisper of God. Not just the absence of noise. Uh, not just to be to get away, but in order to hear the whisper of God. And uh, so I just, I would just love to, don't necessarily have to read them all out, but I would just love for you to see that um, seeking out solid, solitary places, seeking out solitude was, um, was a regular, was a regular practice for Jesus. Um, and I think we say this often enough, like Jesus is, Jesus is the one we're wanting to model ourselves after. Jesus is the one we're wanting to And so his practice was clearly, Seeking out solitude, seeking out those um, solitary places. Uh, no matter how busy he got, no matter how much, uh, no matter how much people were demanding his attention, Jesus made a regular practice out of finding solitary places. And we see it. We see a few times that he was that he was he just was he just was alone. Um, maybe most famously in Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus forty days in the desert on his own. And I am convinced it was in order, like the same way that we're, the same aim that 
that we're seeking is what Jesus was after in order to hear the whisper of God. In order to, because to, we've, we've said it enough times that Jesus only did what he heard the Father say. He only said what he heard the Father say. He only did what he seen the Father do. And so Jesus' Jesus moment, those 40 days of being alone, was in order to hear the voice of God. And uh, as we see it in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus spent 40 days alone. Uh, and we see it marked throughout much of Luke's gospel. So, for example, if you want to just, if you want to take note or try to remember that, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, uh, one of these days, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Um, just, a, just one chapter back, uh, rather, than, rather than going back and forward, we're told, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He sought out those places of uh, solitude, those solitary places uh, to be alone, to hear the whisper of God. Um, I don't want to spend. I just. I don't want to spend too long giving you a list of 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 verses, but I think it's worth worth just backing up the point. This was the practice of Jesus. Um, verse thirteen of Matthew chapter fourteen. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So it didn't say. Like, whenever Jesus was at his busiest, he withdrew to a solitary place. Whenever people were demanding his attention, he still withdrew to a solitary place. In the context of Matthew 14, he's just heard the worst possible news that John, his cousin John has been beheaded. He's lost his life. And Jesus' response to that was to go uh, to withdraw to a solitary place. He needed to hear the whisper of God. Um, and so there's many moments, whether it's a moment of crisis, whether it's a moment of busyness, wherever it is, the practice remains the same. The pattern of Jesus remained the same, to withdraw to a solitary place. Um, and I, I've commended this book before to many of you, uh, and I'll do it again tonight. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has wrote a small little book called Life Together. Um, I think it's maybe 70 or 80 pages. Uh, and saying that, it, it's, not a, it's not a quick read. If you want to catch what he's saying, uh, it, you, it'll take you a wee bit longer than than a short 80 pages sound, four chapters in it. Um, for me, two of the most profound chapters are, are the day together and the day alone. And, uh, and both of these are essential for spiritual success, the day together and the day alone. And so I think he sums up both those chapters with this line. He says, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And let him who is not in community beware of being alone. And so I suppose it's a, it's a both and it's a both and thing. But the the idea of getting away to the solitary place is really important um, for the sake of the community, for the sake of those that we are spending time with, for the sake of our families. It is really good. It is a really good practice for us to get away to solitary place in order to hear the whisper of God. And we need. Yeah, Nev. Just repeat those two lines again, Neil. Let, let, him, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And he, let him who is not in community beware of 
being alone. So, when they know, when they, when they two or three weeks to get our heads around that, I'm aware of that. And uh, in case anybody asks any more questions, and we're rushing on past this, <laughs> um, yeah, it 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 is. It's a, it's it's something worth uh, it's something worth spending a bit more time. Uh, riffing on but um, for the sake of time let's move on but it is if it's something that we we want to come back to I think we we, we can if, um, yeah but let's let's uh, let, me, let me move on quickly um, so just to touch on the idea of, of silence um, whenever it comes to whenever it comes to many of uh, the contemplative um, mystics or the desert fathers, people like that, silent and solitude, silence and solitude go hand in hand. Um, to, so they would say that without silence, there is no solitude. And in some ways, I think it's maybe worth clarifying that I don't think silence necessarily always involves the absence of speech, uh, but it does always involve the act of listening. Um, so I still think there's moments, even though there's stuff going on around us, I think because solitude is this inner discipline, I still think there's a way for us to experience solitude, uh, even whenever maybe the kids are outside or we're aware of things that are going on around us. There's still a way for us to engage in the act, the discipline of solitude. Because um, silent, it doesn't. I don't think it always involves just the absence of speech or the absence of noise, but it does always involve the act of listening. So it's the act of listening that uh, that uh, that I'm really want to emphasise tonight. Um, again, to, to make a point that uh, that what James James talks about the tongue in uh, the first. 12 verses of James chapter 3. Again, for the sake of time, we'll not, we'll not read those, but um, I encourage you to look at the, at the tongue, the control of the tongue. Um, the writer of Ecclesiastes in uh, chapter 3, verse 7, um, maybe the most well-known part of, the, of Ecclesiastes is that there's a time to speak and a time to listen. So it's control rather than no noise, I think, that is the key to silence, control. Um, and so, so James is pretty passionate about that. Uh, I think the writer of, the, of Ecclesiastes is, is helpful with that idea as well. Um, and just on, the, just on, on Ecclesiastes, does that, uh, anybody have a Bible or there something handy that could read the first two verses of, thanks Joe, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 um, without going to your concordance Are you, she's reading she's, let us hear you doing the wee poem that you're reading out there Genesis, Exodus da, 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 da. <laughs> Chronicles and Chronicles. I can't find it <laughs> Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, is that right? I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Right, just read the first, the first two verses of chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter five, please. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. 
It is able to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth, so let your words be few. Super. Thank you. Hey, did you hear that, Ethan? Let your words be few. Um, the, uh, yeah, so again, it's just, I suppose it's just the, to emphasize the point, it's um, control rather than no noise being the key to silence. So the, the writer here is saying, go near to listen rather than to be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty to say a load of things, to pray a load of things, to, to offer up stuff that you don't mean. Like, come near to listen. I think it's a really important discipline for us. And it's one that I think there's an opportunity for us to exercise in a way that maybe we haven't had the, the chance to do um, before now. Because we've come off the back of the Psalms of Lament uh, last week, um, I would just love to say that I think to remain silent, for me, like silence and solitude is still, for me, one of the most challenging of disciplines. And the idea of silence, I'm finding increasingly to, be, to remain silent before the Lord, to come near to listen, is, is difficult. And I think I've, as I've went through the Psalms of Lament, and I went through, like all, in fact, a huge chunk of the Psalms, I'm realizing that to remain silent makes us feel so helpless, I think. Like there is a, there is a, it is so intimately linked. It is so intimately related to trust is silence. Like, and so, I, because by being silent, you're saying like, God, you just, would you just take control here? God, I, I need to hear from you. I need you to speak. I'm so prone to coming with, with all my, all my stuff, all my words, all the, the best prayers that I can come up with and actually to remain silent is is challenging because it makes us feel helpless it may, I think it makes us feel vulnerable and it is saying God I'm 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 trusting you here my silence is a, it's an act of trust it's an expression of trust um and saying God you you need to take control here God you take control I'm I'm taking my hands off I'm saying nothing I'm coming before you in order to listen. Um, and so maybe somebody uh, somebody could read Psalm 27, the first six verses of Psalm 27. Mum looks like she's getting there pretty quick. But just a few, just by mum's finding Psalm, Psalm 27, the first six verses, um, just a few other places that you could you could go to. Like Psalm, so Psalm 46, verse 10 is one of the most well-known. Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Uh, Psalm 62, another incredible place to turn to. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Uh, find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. Um, just this idea of coming before him and, and being still and being silent uh, in Psalm Psalm 62. Uh, Psalm 27. Mom, do you want to read it for us there? For six verses? Yeah. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked come up against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the sacred place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Thank you. Uh, so know that, I know that whole portion there is not uh, necessarily all about silence or solitude, but I still thought it was good, Sam, for us to share at the moment. Um, that he, in the day of trouble, he will keep us safe. He will hide us in the shelter. He will set us high upon a rock. But it's at verse four. Again, we've touched on it at the start of the year. It's been mentioned a few times. I know Nigel's held it pretty close over the last number of months. This one thing that I ask of the Lord that I'm going to sit and I'm going to gaze upon his beauty. And so I know it's not as, I know it's not as clear as some of those other verses that we've read, but that idea of I'm going to come into the presence of the Lord and this one thing that I'm going to do is just to gaze upon him. I'm going to, come, I'm going to control my tongue I'm going, to, I'm going to come silently. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to come vulnerably. Um, I'm saying nothing. I'm, going to, I'm just going to trust him and gaze upon his beauty. Fix my attention on him and acknowledge and know that he's God and that he's beautiful. And, um, and that can be a, maybe that can be a really difficult place for us to get to, but I think we really need to prioritize that type of prayer like go out like pursue that in a way that you've never done before god is one thing that i'm asking i'm going to sit with you and i'm just going to gaze upon your beauty um yeah so um the other there's a few other places that i've just been thinking about and challenged by recently i don't know um if now, if you don't have anything now, it's fine, but I know you've been back at that place uh, in Galatians chapter one. And I've just been, again, reflecting on that today where Paul, before he went straight into his ministry, like I think we forget that before Paul went and preached the gospel to the Gentiles and did all the incredible stuff that he did, he spent three years in the desert. We're told in the Galatians chapter one, it's um, I think 15, 16, 17, 18, around there, Paul, we're told that Paul went to Arabia, went into the desert, and then three years later, he came back into Jerusalem. And so we don't have a bit, like we have almost no information about what happened in that, in, at that time, but I do believe that it was a, a moment where he was in a solitary place in the desert, learning to hear the whisper of the Lord, learning to control himself, learning to uh, just exercise this discipline of regularly going off to the solitary place to hear the whisper of God. And, um, and so again, I, I don't have much more to comment on that, but just again, been reflecting on that. Uh, 
thumbs up to go on Nav or do you want to make any comment um, yeah so the only comment I'll make is it's difficult <laughs> yeah well, any, if any, if there's anybody here that finds it easy, like I am willing to mute my mic here and you take on the rest of this, the time that we have. Uh, any hands? Petey, is that your hand? <laughs> you preach it. You're preaching away there, Petey. Um, one other, one thing, another thing that I've mentioned. Um, I'm bringing this into land as a. Uh, as preachers like to say, I never mean it. But uh, the fruit of solitude, I think it's important to, to, to talk about that there is some incredible stuff coming from, um, from solitude. And I think one of the big things is that there is an increased sensitivity, not only to the voice and the whisper of God, but also there is an increased sensitivity toward the needs of others. And... I feel like if I, like, and I say this, like, with as much humility as possibly can, if there's any, if I see any moments of fruit in trying to pursue this discipline of solitude, it is an increased sensitivity towards others and an increased compassion towards others. And I, like, I get that wrong so often, but I know that if I want to, to get to that place of an increased sensitivity towards others and compassion towards others, Solitude is the place that I know that I need to get to. Um, let me commend, I feel bad commending two books at once, uh, but, but this one probably trumps the one that I've already commended. Uh, the Way of the Heart by Henry Nguyen. Um, and this is a 90-pager, so, um, and it's, it's that sort of good, thick writing. It's even better. But the way of the heart, Henry Nguyen, and he talks about he's talking about the the desert spirituality. He's talking about the, the what what we learn from the desert fathers and the desert mothers. And so he talks about solitude, silence, and prayer. And uh, I just found it really helpful when he talked when he talked about what the desert fathers learned about uh, an increased sensitivity to the needs of others and compassion towards our neighbors. And, uh, and so this is what he says. If you would ask the desert fathers why solitude gives birth to compassion, they would say, because it makes us die to your neighbor. At first, this answer seems quite disturbing to a modern mind. But when we give it a closer look, we can see that in order to be of service to others, we have to die to them. That is, we have to give up measuring our meaning and value with the yardstick of others. To die to our neighbor, so this is important, to die to our neighbor means to stop judging them, to stop evaluating them, and thus to become free to be compassionate. Compassion can never coexist with judgment because judgment creates the distance, the distinction, which prevents us from really being with the other. I find that powerful. I know there's a lot of words in there. It's a, it's a, long, a long quote. Um, but compassion can never coexist with judgment because judgment creates the distance, the distinction, which prevents us from really being with the other. Um, 
again, just if I can keep quoting, like these guys have it all worked out. Thomas Merton, another one of these contemplative prayers, said it is in deep solitude that I find the gentleness with which I can truly love my brothers and sisters. The more solitary I am, the more affection I have for them. Solitude and silence teach me to love my brothers and sisters for what they are, not for what they say. And so I just find where this, where this solitude, um, this discipline of solitude is concerned, there's a lot of richness to be found in the desert mothers and fathers. There's a lot of richness to be found in, in people like Henry Nguyen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, even more modern uh, writers like Eugene Peterson, um, all really helpful uh, with this stuff. So I think a couple, of, like even just a couple of small practical things uh, that we could try, no matter who we are or where we find ourselves. I think there's we're all busy in certain ways. There's a lot of distractions, but even if we started to make a habit of just taking advantage of the little solitudes, and uh, I couldn't help but think of that when I seen um, Amy's mum, Frances, had put a photograph up of the sunset um, last night. I think it was. And, uh, and for me, even like I wish I'd have seen that sunset, but even just looking at Francis's picture of the sunset, it always felt like a, a moment of solitude. But just even trying to slip away at night, uh, maybe when the kids go down, uh, maybe as the nights get a wee bit brighter, just to slip outside for a few moments and, uh, and just take a moment of getting away to a solitary place in order to see if you can hear the whisper of God. And I think nature is really helpful in that, especially stunning sunsets like the one Francis took a picture of yesterday, to slip away for those little solitudes in order to hear the whisper of God. Um, and unfortunately, we can't really practice this at the minute, uh, but maybe it's something we can come back to. Uh, we need more. We're continuing to see what it would be, what it's like to, to effectively lead retreat. And, uh, and so if... We weren't in a lockdown situation. Part of my encouragement to you would have been um, find a, find three or four hours in your day, uh, book in at the castle and just go for retreat. Go for walk, go to the prayer room, go, uh, go to a place of solid, solid, a solitary place, take yourself away, but like the practice of Jesus, withdraw in order to hear the whisper of God. Um, so we can't do that. But this is this is something that this is a lifestyle. This is a discipline. I'd love us to develop. I think uh, in order that that this would be something that we would uh, maybe pursue whenever we get back to some form of normality, whatever that form of normality is is even going to look like. Um, let me let me wrap this up with another with another quote. Um. Again, for those that were those that have been following the Lectio uh, on that twenty four seven, the app that twenty four seven have produced, um, this was some of the language that was used in one of the mornings this week. Um, solitude is the place of great struggle and the place of great encounter. The struggle against the compulsions of the false self and the encounter with the loving God who offers himself as the substance of the new self. 
And in solitude, this is I think this is where we find ourselves at the minute. In solitude, I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, no books to distract just me. Naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, broken, nothing. And it is this nothingness that I have to face in my solitude. Um, some of that stuff I've just really, really, I let uh, I let Mother Teresa have the the last word of the night when she was asked um, when she was asked by uh, by a local priest how do I live out my vocation as a priest? Uh, I just have been reflecting on that the last two days. Like that's who we that's who we all are. I love that one of the things that would come from. Uh, from this moment in time would be uh, just an increase getting away from the professionalism of the one person that we would see uh, the priesthood of all believers being established in the way that the, that God had always intended it to be. And so that we would be asking that same question. How do I live out my vocation as one, as a member of the priesthood of all believers? How do I live this out? And so Mother Teresa's response was spend one hour a day in adoration of the Lord. And never do anything you know is wrong and you will be all right. It doesn't get much simpler than that. Spend one hour a day. That was her pattern. That was her rhythm. And she's seen it in the life of Jesus and she was she lived the life imitating Jesus as best as she could. And her response to this question was spending one hour a day just loving Jesus in adoration, worshipping him, extolling him, exalting him, magnifying him, making much of him. And never do anything that you know is wrong and you will be all right.